Amen. Praise the Lord. We can know it's well with our soul. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Uh, pray for our Brother Holmes. I don't know if it was Friday. I think he flies back, I think, to Papua New Guinea. So I'll pray for him. See, he has back uh, Pastor Ricky, who is the one over there that adopted Brother Reese. Uh, He's up on the plateau. We, we went and visited him in Papua New Guinea, and that's where I got sick. And Brother Holmes told me that Pastor Ricky and his wife have been fighting sickness in recent months. And so Pastor Ricky has been down at uh, Brother Holmes' church preaching for him while he's been gone. And I think he's itching to get back home to his own church. Uh, Brother Holmes has been, I think he said, since the beginning of December, so it's been a little over two months. So I'm sure Pastor Ricky is anxious to get back. Um, so do, do pray for all of them as they travel for safety. Pray for Brother Reese as he travels back as well. So Galatians chapter 6, and we'll read 7 through 10. And uh, Brother Johnson, would you lead us in prayer, please, sir? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to be in your house here this evening. Father, I just thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Just how when we're not feeling well, Father, we can just go to you. And Father, we know you're in, in control of all healing. Yes. Father, we thank you for that. We think of those that aren't able to be here tonight, Father, just ask that you would be with them and encourage them and yes. give them the help and strength they need, Father, and the rest they need. We, we do think of Brother Reese and Pastor Holmes tonight as they have a meeting with Brother Reese's uh, brother tomorrow, Father, that you would bless that. Yes. Father, your word's like a hammer and a fire, and I just pray that you will break that hard heart yes. tomorrow, Father, that mm -hmm. you would give. Give them words to say that would melt his heart. Yes. Father, we pray that he would be saved. Amen. Father, we, we also think of Pastor Ricky and yes. as he's filling in for Pastor Holmes, that you would just bless him for that. Yes. Father, protect him, help him and his wife to feel better. And yes. Give him the help and strength they need. Father, as we open your word here tonight, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Mm -hmm. I do ask for the Holy Spirit's help and yes. understanding yes. the message that you have for us tonight. Mm -hmm. How we can rightly apply it to our lives so that we may be better witnesses for you, have a better testimony in the community for you, yes. and be drawn closer to you, Father. Mm -hmm. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Galatians 6, verse 7, and the title of this message is Laying the Foundation for Construction and Destruction. Laying the foundation for construction and destruction. So Galatians 6, 7 through 10 here. Verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also what? reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall what? Reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Throughout our lives, we're sowing seeds every day. Every place we go, we're sowing seeds. Um, uh, yesterday, uh, we met uh, Sister Stacy and Brother Reese and Brother Holmes in, uh, in Grand Rapids, and uh, we were in a restaurant, and 
as we were leaving, there was a man who came and said, had a hat that said Navy veteran on it. And so I said to him, thank you, sir, for your service. And then I gave him a gospel track. And I forget all that he said immediately after that. But then he said, he said, do you know who I would like to see disappear? I said, no. And he named a politician. And then I said to him, I said, do you know who I would like to see up here? And I said, the Lord Jesus Christ coming back for us. Uh, so we're sowing seeds everywhere, aren't we? Trying to make people think, trying to wake them up uh, to see what's truly important in life. Uh, so, but you may, th sometimes you may think, but, but is this, of course you wouldn't say this. But in your mind, you're thinking, I know it's true, we reap what we sow, but it just seems like the wicked sometimes don't seem like they're reaping enough for all the wicked things they're doing. They just seem to go on. And then other times you may say, but I see, I see good, sweet, faithful people serving the Lord, and, and it, it doesn't seem like just bucket loads of blessings are falling on them. So at times you may think, I, I know it's true, because God says it's true. We reap what we sow. Uh, but in your mind, you're thinking, I just don't understand it all. Well, the, the problem is, is we cannot look at this just from an earthly perspective. We don't walk by sight. We walk by what? Faith. So we can't just look at this reaping and sowing and say, well, I know it's true, but it just, you just can't see it. Well, uh, we have to look at it from a heavenly perspective. Um, as far as the wicked, uh, notice with me in 1 Timothy 5. 1 Timothy 5. Um, there's a lot of wicked people that we would say, well, they sure are wicked. There's no doubt about that, but um, it just seems like they seem to be prospering in this world. Well, 1 Timothy 5 and verse 24 says, Some men's sins are open when? Beforehand. Going before to judgment. And some men, they what? Follow after. I remember some years ago, there was a man who was very well known and seemed to have a very respectful uh, testimony and integrity, a man of integrity, uh, scholarly man. But you know what happened? He died. And you know what happened? The last part of this verse came out. Uh, some men's sins follow after them, and that is what it did. And it was shocking, shocking, utterly shocking what this man had been doing. It was unbelievable. His, his reputation but it, it was horrible. Um, the man who preached my college graduation was, I guess you would say, kind of a renowned preacher, well-known across America, visited mission fields, and just very highly respected preacher. But right at the very end of his life, uh, he was trying to run to catch an airplane because the police were after him. And he spent his last days in jail. 
and just then and then it just spilled out and spilled out all that he had been involved in and so first timothy 5:24 some men's sins are open beforehand going before the judgment and some men they follow after so you you don't always see all that's that's going on um and you could say the same here in the in the sense of many sweet and faithful and what we call good people now we know that the bottom line is none of us are good in the, in the biblical sense because God is only good and it, true goodness is perfection and none of us match that. Um, but, but the loss, let's continue on them for just a moment. Let's go to Revelation 20. So, you know somebody that's wicked and, just, and sometimes they live a long time. Uh, what's the deal? Are, are those people really going to reap what they have sown? Yes, they are. And right, right here is the ultimate uh, day of reckoning. Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. Verse 11. And I saw what? A great white throne. Only lost people are going to stand before God at this. And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to what? Their works. You see, what they have sown, the seeds they have sown, the wickedness, it's all going to come back. Verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to what? Their works. Each person, lost person here, receiving the exact degree of punishment that they deserve. So these people that are so wicked, they are not getting away with anything. Not in light of eternity. Verse 14, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So the next time you, you think, it just seems like the wicked get away with so much. I mean, whether it's in the political realm or whether it's at the place you work. Um, sometimes the places where we work, it just seems like some people are so corrupt and and maybe have the boss wrapped around their finger, or so it seems, they're not getting away with anything. They're not fooling God. They're going to meet their day of reckoning. But what about the righteous? Let's go to John 4. What about those who, as I said, are so sweet and faithful serving the Lord year after year after year, and it just doesn't seem like heaven is dropping blessings all around them why what's the deal john 4:34 john 4:34 we'll read through 38 verse 34 jesus saith unto them my meat is to do what the will of him that sent me and to finish his work say not ye there are yet 4 months and then cometh harvest behold i say unto you lift up your eyes and what Look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages. Okay? That's sowing and reaping. He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit 
unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Notice verse 37. And herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. So even way back at that time, in Jesus' time, that saying was used. One sows and another reaps. Have you ever felt that way about witnessing? Well, uh, Brother Needham, I don't know how many years he's witnessed to his mechanic. And Brother uh, Jeremy goes over there and his mechanic gets saved. But I like what Brother Michael said. He said all the, the I forget how he worded it, but he was saying all the, the sowing, the effort that Brother Needham put into that mechanic was, was brought to harvest. Brother Michael wasn't patting himself on the back. Um, he, was, he was deferring praise to all the, the years that Brother Needham has been faithfully witnessing to that man. So Jesus says the saying is true. Herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. Okay, wait a minute then. If one sows and another reaps, then how can you say we reap what we sow? If somebody else comes along and reaps it. You ever thought about that? Well, verse 38. I sent you to what? To reap that whereon ye bestowed what? No labor. They didn't, they didn't sow any of those seeds, but they got to reap. Other men labored and ye entered into their labor. So you say, wait a minute. What is Jesus saying? The Bible says we reap what we sow. And now we're saying we sow and somebody else comes and reaps. This is looking at it from a heavenly perspective. That the answer is at the end we reap what we sow. Uh, because what we sow, the seeds, although someone else may come along and reap the harvest, in the end, we're going to see the scripture here, you'll be rewarded for all that you have sown, you will reap from it eternally. Um, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So there's no contradiction here. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11. We'll read 11 through 13. We've, we've looked at this recently, but it's the judgment seat of Christ. So remember the great white throne judgment. Who appears there? Lost people. The great white throne judgment, only lost people appear there. The judgment seat of Christ, who appears here? Christians, just saved people appear at this judgment. Um, so verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what? What sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive what? So do you see it now? The sowing and the reaping. The sowing and the reaping. The ultimate reaping is when we stand before the Lord. Those who are saved, our ultimate reaping is right here. Judgment seat of Christ. 
the lost, their ultimate reaping is the great white throne judgment. That is their ultimate reaping of what they have sown. So what about Christians? Um, let's look at Philippians chapter 4. About sowing and reaping in eternity. What's it going to be like? Philippians 4, and let's read 15 through 17. Philippians 4, 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning what? Giving and receiving, but what? He only. So the Philippians, at first, they were the only church that supported missionary Paul here. Verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent, what? Once and again unto my necessity. So it wasn't just a one-time thing. It was once and again. Verse 17, here's the verse. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire what? Fruit that may abound to what? Your account. There is the ultimate reaping. The ultimate reaping of what we sow financially in the Lord's word is in heaven. Um, I don't know what my account number is up there. And you don't know what your account number is. But you mark it down that God said the widow gave more than all the rich people. And she gave her two pence because she gave all of her living. That's all she had to live on. So now how do you figure that? It's called, um, I think, rate of return. Rate of return, percentage-wise. She gave 100% of what she had and so in heaven, uh, hmm, that, that, that adds up. I'd like to see her account in heaven. Um, so that's, that's how we lay up treasure in heaven. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Sometimes little children have asked, um, how does God get the money that we give him? The ushers now bring this box up here and how does God get that money? Well, Matthew chapter 6, and let's drop down to uh, verse 19. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Verse 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures, where? Upon earth. Where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. As Brother Holmes said, he said it publicly, and he told me again privately that uh, they were supposed to get power at uh, Brother Reese and Sister Stacy's house where they're going to be staying. And I don't know if you caught it because you really had to listen to understand what he was saying because of his, his accent. English is not his um, um, native language. Uh, but he, he said the guys came along to install the power and the rascals, that's their name for robbers, they stole the truck. They held him up and stole the company truck. And so that's why the power wasn't hooked up yet. So verse 19 says, says here, thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will what? Your heart be also. So, 
When we give, uh, we've gone many times, don't have time tonight, but in Matthew 25, how, how do we get treasure in heaven? Helping all those lists, the, the things listed there in Matthew 25. And normally it's helping others, missionaries, people in need, um, a variety of things there. So, um, And what about, what about an act of kindness done um, to a missionary? Let's look at Matthew 10, Matthew chapter 10. Verse 41, here we're going to read about prophets, but we can apply that to missionaries today. But Matthew 10, 41 and 42, verse 41, he that receiveth who? A prophet, in the name of a prophet shall receive what? A prophet's reward. So in heaven is not only prophets that are going to be receiving prophet's rewards, it's going to be who? Those that help those prophets are also going to get the prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Here's that reaping and sowing. These acts of kindness to uh, missionaries, that may never pass through again, or maybe can never return the favor. Where is the reaping from that? <laughs> right here in heaven. You say, wow, I'd sure like to have a missionary's reward in heaven. Well, read verse 41. If you want a missionary's reward in heaven, well, number one, obviously, if he calls you to go, go. But if he calls you to stay, then... How can I get a missionary's reward? Help a missionary. Be a blessing to a missionary. And you'll get a missionary's reward as well. Notice in 2 Kings 4. 2 Kings 4. God keeps track of everything. We don't have to worry about that. 2 Kings 4. Let's read 8 through 10. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10. And it fell in a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. Well, this passage right here is where you get the term prophet's chamber. Sometimes churches have what they call a prophet's chamber. It's a place where missionaries, uh, people passing through, serving the Lord, can stay. And so that's where it comes from. Now, according to the scripture, who's, we're looking at Elijah here, who, who was a prophet, but who else is going to get a prophet's reward? This woman right here, this Shunammite woman, uh, because she had a heart to help him. So, so we can look at these seeds also as foundations. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 5. 1 Kings 5. Solomon was very blessed of God, and he got to build God's temple. His dad wanted to. But God told him, you've shed much blood, and so 
I'm not going to have you do it, David, but I am going to have your son do it. 1 Kings 5, 16, and let's read through 18. Beside the chief of Solomon's officers, which were over the work, 3,300, which ruled over the people that wrought in the work. And the king commanded, and they brought great stones, costly stones, and huge stones to lay what? Foundation of the house. And Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders did hew them and the stone squarers. So they prepared timber and stones to build the house. If you go over to the next chapter, chapter 6 and verse 6, um, or 10, I'm sorry, verse 10. Uh, let's see here. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Chapter 7, verse 10. I'm sorry. 1 Kings 7, 10. So Solomon is building God's house, and then Solomon started working on his house. Now, the size of those foundation stones are given here when he's working on his own house. So in 710, and the foundation was of costly stones, even great stones, stones of 10 cubits. Now, a cubit is 18 inches, about from your elbow to adult's elbow to the tip of your fingers, about 18 inches, it varies a little bit. So in other words, a foot and a half. So whatever cubit number you're seeing in the Bible, multiply it by 1.5, or just take that number and half it again, and then you have the size. So 10 cubits would be 10 plus half of 10 is 5, so a stone of 10 cubits would be 15 feet. Do you realize the size of a foundation of most of our homes is 8 inches? The cement wall, they used to use cement blocks, and they were 8 inches by 16 inches. That's the normal cement block. And then they started doing poured walls. So the normal residential house, the basement wall is 8 inches thick. Solomon lays it here, the foundation 15 feet thick. Imagine that. 15, 15, 15. That would be massive, massive. Uh, so he said even great stone, stones of 10 cubits and stones of 8 cubits. 8 plus half of 8 is 12. So in some instances... They were 12-foot square stones. Um, I forget how tall this ceiling is, but I think it's probably about that. It's eight foot out there. So, I mean, can you imagine a stone from the floor to the peak there? Can you imagine laying a foundation of stones that huge? I mean, you're laying the foundation for thousands and thousands, it lasts thousands and thousands of years. You ever seen some of the old barns? Some of them, uh, I worked on some with my dad because farmers wanted to fix them up, put steel on them, so we had to shore up the foundations. Most old barns in this area were made with stones and mortar, field stones and mortar not huge stones like this, not square, just round. And so after years and years, the mortar would weather and fall apart, 
And sometimes we've worked on barns that the corner of the barn was standing right off the ground. And the reason it could do that was because many times the old barns were made with wooden pegs and cross bracing. And I mean, they, they were solid. So even, even if a little bit of the foundation was out, they'd, they'd still stand there. But can you imagine the foundation of the house of the Lord just absolutely massive? You can imagine why then with Ezra and Nehemiah, when they go back to build the temple and they lay the foundation, what did the ancient men do? They cried because they had seen the first house in its glory. I don't know what size foundation stones they were using in Ezra and Nehemiah's day, but obviously not near what it was in Solomon's day. And the old men cried when they saw it. So Solomon, greatly blessed of God, using these massive foundation stones, building a house to seemingly last forever. Uh, but notice in Nehemiah 13. Nehemiah 13, the same man who laid the foundation of God's holy temple for the construction of it was the same man who laid the foundation for the destruction of the temple of God. Notice in Nehemiah 13, 23. We'll read 23 through 27. Nehemiah 13, 23. In those days also I saw Jews that had married wives of Ashdod, of Ammon, and of Moab. And their children spake half in the speech of Ashdod, and could not speak in the Jews' language, but according to the language of each people. And I contended with them, and cursed them, and smote certain of them, and plucked off their hair, and made them swear by God, saying, Ye shall not give your daughters unto their sons, nor take their daughters unto your sons, or for yourselves, did not who? Solomon, king of Israel, do what? Sin by these things. By what things? By taking unsaved wives. Then he says, yet among many nations, was there no king like him who was beloved of his God? And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even him, even the one that God had poured the wisdom on and the honor and the riches, even that man, it says, nevertheless, even him did outlandish women, what? Cause to sin. Shall we then hearken unto you to do all this great evil, to transgress against our God and marrying strange wives? Just think. Many years later, they're using Solomon as an excuse that it's okay to marry unsaved wives. Wouldn't that be terrible if someone used our life to justify their sin? That'd be horrible. Horrible. Um, notice with me in 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. So... At the time when they're going back to rebuild the temple, Solomon has laid a bad foundation for the generations to come in what he has done. In 1 Kings 11, let's read verses 1 through 8. 1 Kings 11, 1. 
But King Solomon loved what? Many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them. Neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will what? Turn away your heart after who? Their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives what? Turn away his heart. Amazing. The, The man whom God had appeared to twice. The man that God had given more wisdom than any other man. The man that God had given more wealth than any other man. His his unsaved wives turned away his heart. Verse 4, For it came to pass when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians. And after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then did Solomon build what? A high place. Right here. The same man who used those massive, costly, hewed stones to lay the foundation of the temple is now laying the foundation for the destruction of the temple. Verse 7, he builds this high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. The same man who laid the massive foundation for God's holy house, the temple, was the very same man who laid the foundation for its destruction. Notice in 2 Kings 23, 2 Kings 23, King Josiah came along many years later. 2 Kings 23, 4. The Bible says, And and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and the priest of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove and for all the host of heaven. And he burned them without Jerusalem and the fields of Kidron and carried the ashes of them unto Bethel. Then notice down in verse 13, 2 Kings 23, 13. And, the, and so Josiah, King Josiah is just cleansing the land. He's getting rid of the Sodomites. He's getting rid of all the idols the false places of worship, and now 2313, and the high places that were before where? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Which were on the right hand of what? The Mount of Corruption. You may say, I've never seen that on a map. Have you ever seen Mount Sinai? Have you ever seen Mount Horeb? Have you ever seen the Mount of Olives on a map? Have you ever seen the Mount of Corruption? Well, let's read on. On the right hand of the Mount of Corruption, which who? Solomon. Solomon, The king of Israel had what? 
builded for Ashtoreth, the abomination of the Zidonians, and for Chemosh, the abomination of the Moabites, and for Milcom, the abomination of the children of Ammon did the king defile. He built this mount of corruption. On the way to Muskegon, it's the first uh, like huge landfill I, ever, I had ever seen in my life. And so sometimes we would go, my wife had some grandparents that lived in Muskegon, and so we would travel over there. And it was affectionately called Mount Trashmore. Okay? It didn't smell well driving by that road, and there was a lot of seagulls, and it just tra- it was a mountain of trash. Just think, Solomon. Years, years later, Josiah has to try to defile and, and this amount of corruption. It didn't say he hauled it all away. I don't know how long that would have done. I mean, but just think, the, the, the very man that God blessed and used to construct, to lay the foundation for the temple, The same man laid the foundation for the destruction of the temple. And shortly after Josiah here, that would would happen. The temple would be totally destroyed by the Babylonians. Thanks to who? Solomon. He's the one that laid the foundation for the destruction of that temple. He's the one that built the mount of corruption for all of his unsaved wives. So <clears throat> it makes me think in our lives, what kind of a foundation are we laying? God may use us to do something that, that's a blessing to other Christians. But oh, may the Lord give us wisdom that we would not sow seeds and not lay foundation stones in our lives for anything that would be to the detriment of our children, of the work of the Lord. But that's exactly what Solomon did. The, the, and that's the title of the message, laying the foundation for construction and destruction. And what a sad thing. May, may God give us wisdom, just how important what we do in our lives really is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, please... Help us, Lord, please give us wisdom. Lord, in the things that we may do for our own selfishness or uh, we may think that we can vary a little bit from what you say and it won't hurt anyone. And Lord, we just see this horrible, horrible situation, how Solomon was so blessed to be able to build a temple And yet he was the very man who laid the foundation for its destruction with his mount of corruption that only got worse over the years. Lord, help us. Father, if there should be any here tonight who have never yet been saved, help them, Lord, to realize tonight that you love them, that you want all people to come to repentance. You don't want to judge us. You want to bless us. And you have blessed us through sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to this earth through a miraculous virgin birth, to live a perfect life and to die on a cross 
paying the wages for our sin, which is death, buried and rose again in victory, proving your blood was enough. Father, I pray you'd help us as Christians. Open our eyes, Lord, to see what is best, what is your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take our hymn books, please.